The following program, Pilgrim's Progress, is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for joining for another edition. We're going to look at some very difficult questions today regarding whether or not Jesus will answer our prayers. Can we trust him? Will he do what he says he will do? This morning I had a very troubling conversation with a a young man who openly says he is seeking after Jesus with all of his heart. He has come to Jesus in the past through an intellectual understanding of the doctrines of the church. He has been taught well. But as I listen to this young man describe how he is doing now in his spiritual quest for Jesus, it was obvious to me that he was speaking about his own life, as though it were something he was designing, something he was putting on. He's asked Jesus, believing that Jesus will draw him close, give him a new birth. He speaks confidently about, I'm drawing closer to Jesus. But through all of those words, I hear I'm in charge of my own life. And so one day, he will dress his life in sin. He will dress his life in the lust of his heart. And the next day, he will dress his heart in the garments of the church, in the garments of being a Christian with the confession that he is a Christian and and that he's doing his very best. To be a Christian is not to do your very best. To be a Christian is not to dress yourself any longer. To be a Christian means that you meet the basic conditions, and the basic conditions are according to Jesus, that first I will deny myself. Well, what am I to deny myself of? I'm to deny myself of the right or the privilege, however you view it, to dress myself up as I choose. I cannot put on the cloth of the church or I cannot put on the cloth of a Christian And then when I'm tired of that, put on the cloth of a fornicator or put on the cloth of a a bar hopper or put on the cloth of of a sportsman or put on the cloth of a professional workman making my money and taking care of my family. I have to deny myself everything. 
I'm no longer in charge of my life. So I deny myself, and then Jesus said, you must be crucified. Well, why? Because you can deny yourself the world. You can go live in a monastery. You can become a monk or a nun. You can deny yourself everything of this world. And if you've never been crucified, you're still a pagan at heart with religion dressed all over your body. You have the trappings of the, of the religious life, but you are not a Christian. It's possible for you to deny yourself the career as a physician or an attorney or a businessman and become a pastor. That does not mean you're a Christian. I know of many pastors who pastor large megachurches who are not Christians. How can I say that? The fruit of their life is not that of holiness. The fruit of their life is that of a hireling. They're a CEO, they're a communicator, they're an idea person, they're a good uh, administrator. They have all of the tools and the gifts necessary in the physical realm and in the emotional realm and in the intellectual realm to be a wonderful pastor of people. But they're not Christians. And that's evidenced by the fruit of their life. In their own private world, they run to the television. They run to the world's entertainment. They speak and joke and talk when they're not with the church as any worldly person would speak and act. They're simply a professional. Now, I have to tell you, I am not a professional. I don't put on the cloth of a clergyman and wear that as my identity. I am a Christian. I fulfill the function of a pastor. For me, it is not a position. It's a function. It's something that my heart demands of me by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this young man can dress up one day as a Christian and the next and be very devout and speak all the right words and the next day be consumed with his lust, his personal desires, his his dream of being in dance and and worldly music and the whole deal. And yet speak boldly about, I can testify to Jesus. I can share Jesus with people in my worldly endeavors. Well, that's really true. That's what we're all called to do. The problem is, if there is not a crucifixion, then the self-denial will only be a religion it will only be the outward performance. It will not be a new heart. It will not be the brokenness. 
It will not be the humility. It will not be the selflessness that is always in evidence when the true grace of Jesus Christ comes into a person's life and transforms them into a new person. Now, this passage of Scripture that I have been sharing with you out of John, the 14th chapter, where Jesus speaks these bold words, I'll begin with chapter 14, verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now you can look also at Mark eleven twenty three and 24. Again, Jesus says, you can command this mountain to be moved, and it will be moved if you have faith. But let's not separate that out from the reality of meeting the conditions of God. Because if you do, you will pray and have no result. So you must deny yourself, then you must be crucified, and then you must follow Jesus. And then you can ask him to do things, and he will do them. When I look at this this whole chapter, let me just read part of it for you. Verse 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. And again, the word for love there is agape, self-sacrificing. In other words, a total turning out of myself for Jesus so that when I pray and I ask God to do something, the context of that prayer will require a denial of self, a crucifixion, and a following after Jesus in such a manner that the Father comes and dwells in me. And Jesus dwells in me, and I dwell in them, so that everything will be according to the will of Jesus. Now, I'm trying to say these things to you because it's so easy to begin to operate on our own and to take Christian principles, and now we begin to use these, and we're then sidetracked into occult New Age foolishness like the law of attraction or the Course in Miracles where we begin to believe that when we claim something, we make affirmations of that. We put it up on our refrigerator, that new car that we want, and we keep affirming every day, that new car is mine, that new car belongs to me. And we try to force then the spirit realm to manifest in the physical realm what we desire. This is a cultic witchcraft 
and it's swept into the Christian church today. Why? Because men and women have taken some of the truths of Scripture and they've twisted them in the spirit realm into the demonic because they don't have a desire to deny themselves and die and follow after Jesus. As soon as a person begins to stand by faith for anything, but he is not standing by faith in the midst of self-denial, if he's not standing in the midst of crucifixion, if he's not standing in the midst of following after Jesus, and if Jesus does not dwell in him or her, and if he does not dwell in Jesus, then those affirmations are simply witchcraft. They are a part of the occult. We're called now to stand by faith and to know that God is almighty and all-powerful, but he is not a Santa Claus. He does not perform for us like a Coke machine where we put our dollar in and get our Coke out. You don't go to the Lord and ask and believe and stand by faith and have God simply perform like your pet monkey. You don't go to prayer and rub a rabbit's foot and hope that God will answer you. No, you deny yourself. You take up your cross. You follow Jesus. You dwell in him, and you die. Now, what would have caused me to become very excited about this young man that I spoke with this morning if there had been tears, if there had been humbleness of heart, brokenness of spirit, if there had been, I've cast myself upon Jesus and I trust him to bring me through and I am denying my flesh and I am asking him to crucify me. I am asking that I be utterly broken and set free and I'm not going to move from the prayer closet until this work is accomplished in its fullness and I have been made into a new creature and I have been delivered from myself, from my wicked heart. Now, had I heard that sound, I would have rejoiced. I would have entered deeply into prayer once more to rejoice. As it is, I have to cry out to God that he would turn on the x-ray machine in this young man's life and show him the depth of his depravity the depth of his wickedness, that he would utterly give up himself and turn to Jesus. Now, with that as a background, with that as the context, I'd like to share more of the remarkable miracles by G. Uh, Guy Bevington. 
again, it was written probably sometime around 1929. He was a holiness evangelist ministering in southern Ohio, even as far up as Lima, Ohio, and down into Kentucky, Tennessee. Before I begin, let me just give you a phone number. 877-534-0780. My name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Let me give you our mailing address. I'd love to hear from many of you at this at this season. Post Office Box 2346. That's National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. And we meet every Tuesday evening for a class meeting, an old-fashioned John Wesley class meeting. Prayer time begins at 6.30. Praise and worship at 7.30, and then we go into the class meeting. And you're welcome to come. And then we also meet on Sunday afternoon for our time of worship. Prayer time begins at 12. At 12.30, we begin with praise and worship. And we meet at the All Saints Church. It's an Anglican church. All Saints Church. And the address is 14851 Gideon Drive. That's 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. And people come from all over. People drive from Hyattsville, from all over Prince George's County, from Frederick, Maryland, from Dumfries. People come from all over, from Woodbridge, from Washington, D.C. So come and join us. If your heart is hungry for Jesus, and you'll find Jesus, and you'll find a new life in him, and your heart will be set on fire. One woman who came said, Pastor, when I came to this country, my heart was on fire for Jesus. And then I went to a church, and the longer I sat in that church, the more dead my heart became. And finally, I just left in despair. And then she heard about the National Prayer Chapel. She actually found it online, and she came, and her heart is being set on fire again. That's what happens when you come. Your heart gets set on fire by the Holy Spirit. You're also welcome to go online to our webpage. We're streaming live right now, and the broadcast will be up later today, and you can go back and review this broadcast and past broadcasts. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Our phone number again is 
800-227-8080. For those of you who walk in victory in Jesus and would like to share a positive, powerful testimony, call and share that. Or it's for those of you who are convicted of your sin and you desire to find Jesus, and I'll be happy to pray with you. He writes, I love to think of John Wesley, and I wish I could insert so many of his sayings and miraculous doings by the hand of God. Oh, how well he knew that the resources of all heaven are at God's command when he speaks. The elements are subservient to his will. Wesley truly lived in the knowledge that all things are possible to him that believeth. So it is so blessed to know that the wonderful instances recorded in Wesley's works were not confined to his day. We have the same privileges he had. If our faith in God is unlimited, we can be assured that whatsoever we ask for, we receive. I once was spending a few months in northern Indiana with my only living brother. Since then, he's gone to his reward, leaving me the only one still on probation out of a family of 13 children. He had a boy named Harry staying with him who had been brought up as a Catholic. One day, all of us were going by wagon to Michigan City several miles away. None of us had any coats or umbrellas, and it began to rain. I said to Harry, I don't want to get wet, as this wind off the lake here would be too chilly for my health. Now see if it continues to rain, as I will offer up a prayer and ask God to stop the rain. In less than five minutes, the rain stopped. Well, Harry exclaimed, That's wonderful. My folks, they all go to church, but I never saw anything like that done. God gave me this opportunity to enable this young man to see the power of God. And at the same time, I'd been growing on the lid of my eye. It'd been about seven years. And occasionally it would drop as small as a large kernel of wheat, and then it would seem to lengthen out to about an inch. I'd not had much trouble with it, so it hadn't been something I'd bothered Jesus about. But soon after this miracle of the rain stopped, I was holding another meeting some miles away, and on that last Sunday, that growth spread all over large on my eyelid, and it bothered me in reading the word, and it was quite sore. I put up with it until I got back to my brother's the next day. By then, the growth was so large, Harry saw it, and he was amazed. My eye was swollen and inflamed, and he said, Uncle Guy, why don't you just ask Jesus to take that off? If he stopped the rain for you, won't he do that? Yes, I think he will, I said. So when I went to bed, I knelt down and offered up a prayer of faith that the thing would be gone by the next day, and then I fell asleep. 
in the morning I got up before Harry and I went down to wash. I'd not thought of my eye since praying for it the night before. Soon after I got up, down came Harry to see about that eye. He came bounding out on the porch saying, Uncle Guy, how is that thing? Well, I said, look and see. Although there was no trace of it, not even a scar. He called for my brother to get up and see what Jesus had done for Uncle Guy. Harry said, I don't see why my folks don't do things that way. I had a sore knee and had to stay out of school for four months, and they paid out a whole lot of money, too. There was also a sore on my body that had been forming for about six years. It had never bothered me much, so I didn't bother with it either. But that summer at Jerry's, it began getting quite sore. It was about the size of a, of a 25-cent piece, with rims of different colors around it. After no sense of feeling for six years, it got so bad, I couldn't touch anywhere near it. I couldn't even sleep on that side. And it grew larger, and it became more sensitive. And I finally got tired of it, and I went up to my room. I called Harry, and I showed him the sore. He thought it was awful and pronounced it a cancer. I told the doctor about it, and he said it was undoubtedly a cancer. Well, I laid my hand on that sore, and I prayed the prayer of faith, asking for its removal. In no more than six minutes, the soreness was all gone. I could rub and even pinch it without the slightest pain. The colors were still there, but the next morning was all gone. So this youngster had three good lessons given him through faith. He wrote home to his family and asked them if he couldn't join Uncle Guy's church, telling them that he had seen an, an answers to prayer. It resulted in the conversion of the whole family. Oh, how glory, glory, how blessed it is to have such a God as we have who is all-powerful. Now, after this, I was called on to pray for a sister who had been sorely afflicted for eight or nine years. I prayed for her, and she went to sleep. So I retired to my room. The next morning, she said she'd not slept better in years until about 4 a.m., when she was suddenly taken again with the same malady. She suffered terribly until they finally called me. I laid my hand on her and prayed, and she was soon sound asleep again. When we had our breakfast, she was still sleeping. Her husband had little use for holiness preachers as he had the meeting house religion for his support. He seemed to think that that filled the basket and he believed in letting well enough alone. I took my Bible and I went into the woods until I heard the dinner bell and I came in. I found her suffering. So I resumed praying and she was made free again. After dinner, I returned to the woods the bell rang out in the middle of the afternoon. She was again suffering, so I dropped down on my face in her room, and I lay there until they called me for supper. 
I told them I didn't want any, for I was getting a good hold upon God, and he was enlarging my vision of his power. I just lay there pleading the promises and believing God, though she was still suffering. Her husband came in and said to her, I want you to take this medicine. I can't bear to see you suffer this way under this crank supervision. I said nothing, but she but prayed that she would refuse. She did, saying, I'm going to take God as he has wonderfully delivered me three times since Brother Bevington has been here. I believe he will heal me entirely. Well, I'd like to see some signs, was his response. I just lay on the floor praying with all my might. About 9 p.m., I rose to my feet and I laid my hand on our forehead. Then I raised my right hand with the Bible resting upon it, and I said, In the name of Jesus Christ, depart, depart, depart. I opened my eyes and could see that she was still suffering. But I held on to demanding the instant departure. I was still holding the Bible up and pleading the promises when I looked at the clock. It was after 4 a.m., and she was still suffering, but not quite so bad. I kept holding the Bible up, changing it from one hand to the other. When her husband got up from his bed and came in, he saw that she'd been having a hard night, for he was so accustomed to waiting upon her. He could tell how she was doing just by her looks. He grabbed the medicine and he shoved me out of the way and ordered her to open her mouth and take the stuff. She opened her eyes and shook her head with a smile. I could see he was boiling and determined that she should not suffer any longer when he felt he had the needed remedy. He turned to me and he, he yelled, Get out of this room! Take your suitcase and leave this house! Well, I went outdoors, still pleading and believing, and she kept refusing to take the medicine. I was out under a tree, actually getting a hold of God when the husband came out, found me, and he gave me a hard kick. He shouted, I told you to leave this place. I mean it, and I will not tell you again. I continued praying. I was getting a hold of God and did not want to move or utter a word. I felt sure victory was coming. Although the waters were raging about me, I was still. There was such a sweet, calm, a quiet assurance that she was going to be healed, completely healed. I just lay as still as I could, fearing any movement upon my heart would break the connection with God. I didn't want to breathe. In fact, I held my breath for long spells. Then her husband came out again. I turned over from laying on my face, and I said, Let me remain here one more hour. I told you to leave, he shouted. Just give me one hour, and you will see the power of God, I urgently pleaded with him. Nonsense! That has been your cry for twenty hours. And he headed toward the barn to get the large horsewhip. I got up and went into the house with the assurance of victory. 
As I entered, the woman raised her right hand, and a smile broke over her face. We have the victory, Brother Bevington. I shouted, Amen, and went back out the door. Before I even left the the porch, I heard her feet strike the floor. She ran clear out to the barn, yelling at the top of her voice. That was a good thing, for her infuriated husband was coming with his whip to give me a good threshing. But as she dropped to her knees, praising God and praying for husband, he just melted. Then he called for me to join them. I went out, and we had an old-fashioned prayer and praise service there in the weeds and the grass. We had a scene that three worlds were witness to until he prayed through and actually got salvation. And oh, what a blessed time we had. Then she went to their church and set the whole congregation to weeping and laughing, some to shouting. The preacher never did get to preach at that service. It pays to hold on to God no matter what appears to be happening for he works quite differently than we do. You know, I read this and I just say, Oh God, Oh God, I need you so badly. I've been hanging on to God for you who listen to this broadcast. I've been hanging on to God for you. I've been asking God to break this log jam in your heart. I've been praying that he would turn the x-ray machine onto your life, that you would see who you are and who you are not in Jesus. I've been praying that those of you who continue to walk in pride and sin against God, that he would convict you with such power that you would fall on your faces and just weep before God and say, I have to have Jesus. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Because you're in trouble. We're in trouble together. We have to have Jesus. I can't come here and just teach a sweet experience in Jesus, and I can't come here and just teach a theological understanding of the gospel. Everyone is doing one of the two. I've got to come to you and say, oh, we've got to get on our face, and we've got to plead, and we've got to enter into the courts of heaven, and we've got to get a hold of Jesus. He's got to turn the x-ray machine on that we could see our true condition before heaven. Oh, Jesus, I plead for my brother and my sister that this log jam of worldliness in their hearts could be broken now by your blood, that you would turn the x-ray machine on now by your blood. Jesus, I know the Holy Spirit flows wherever your blood goes, and I just plead your blood over every person listening to this broadcast right now. And those who are saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord, prompt them to join me in crying out to you that a great cry would ascend 
into the courts of heaven. Oh, God, my Father, my Lord, my Savior, we're in trouble. The church is in trouble. America's in trouble. Lord, we need you. All I know how to do is come to this radio and plead for your mercy and plead for your righteousness and plead that your blood would cover your people, that the blood would cover this nation and this city. I plead for a revival of godliness. I plead for a lifting up of the standard of righteousness and holiness and morality. Lord, break the logjam. Lord, the devil has deceived. He's convinced your people that they can walk in sin and walk in you, that they're on their way to heaven even though they're full of themselves. They've never denied themselves and been crucified. They've never really followed you, Jesus. They've just followed their religion or they've followed their lust or they've followed their pleasure. Lord, turn the x-ray machine on. Mighty God, all I can do is come to this mic and pray. I plead right now for a breakthrough. I, I plead, Jesus, that you would rise up by your Holy Spirit in the hearts of men and women right now, that they would say, I must have Jesus. I must leave this life of sin. I must leave this religion, this meeting house religion. I must leave this and I must get to Jesus. Lord, break our pride. Cause us to die out. Lord, cause us to die out. Lord, I don't have any sweet words or intellectual words. Lord, all I have today is a pleading in my heart for the logjam to break for your people that they could be saved by your precious blood, that they could be transformed and made new, that they could be restored to your likeness, that they could be redeemed by your precious blood, Break out, Holy Spirit of the living God, in this radio audience right now, in this precious congregation. Oh, God, break out now. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. In the middle of all of the hype, in the middle of all of the pagan worship, in the middle of all of the entertainment, Lord, in the middle of all of the lust of our heart, the pride of our life, Lord, I repent. And I repent for your people. I repent, Lord, and I ask that the x-ray machine would be turned on in every heart. 
that your name would be lifted up, Jesus. Almighty God, have mercy on your people. If you don't do this, Jesus, who can be saved? I know meeting house religion is not going to save a man or woman, Lord. I know a profession of religion is not going to save a person, Jesus. I know intellectual understanding will not save a person, Jesus. I know some sentimental experience will not save a person, Jesus. I know it's only your precious blood that breaks the power of sin and releases the captive and sets us free. And Jesus, I'm asking now for that precious blood to go forth and do its work in the heart of every person listening. Lord, I know right now some person is just turning this broadcast on and saying, what's going on here? We're getting right with God, my brother, my sister. We're getting right with God. Join us and get right with Jesus. Repent of your sin. Turn aside from the darkness. Seek the face of Jesus. Lest you be cast into hell. Lest you be allowed to live in your lukewarm condition. Lest you be allowed to live in your meeting house religion. Loving the entertainment and the show, but not loving Jesus. Oh, Lord, come. Mighty God, break our pride. Break our love of of stuff. Break our love of ease and comfort. Lord, come. Lord, come. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Brother Eric, would you play that song for us again? I repent. And our phone number is 877-534-0780. Jesus. 
accepted the commandments I've rejected to pursue my selfish end. And I confess I need you to revive me, put selfishness behind One word from Jesus, the fig tree in Mark 11 completely withered and died. At one word from Jesus, you will wither and die. Because he went to you and there was no fruit of righteousness in your heart. And yet, he says, have faith in God. Verse 22, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sin. If you want to get serious with Jesus, you're going to have to turn to Jesus. And you're going to have to forgive and release those you're holding captive. And then in prayer, Ask Jesus to bring the change in your heart. The new birth is not something we do to ourselves. It's something that God does for us. We choose to deny ourselves. We choose to take up our cross and follow Jesus. 
but Jesus is the one who crucifies us. Hi, Linda. We have just Hello. a few short minutes. How can I okay. how can I help you? Um, I wanted to ask you, please, in the seating prayer uh, for me. Um, I've been going to a tremendously difficult time, and um, and I need help in forgiving people who have offended me during this time and increased my suffering. And um, I need strength to be able to, in the future, uh, find a way of not letting offenses penetrate me so deeply being able to forgive quickly. You know the answer to that, don't you, after listening to today's broadcast? It means you have to be crucified, and you can't do that to yourself. You're going to have to ask Jesus to do that for you. And yes, I will pray. Would you like to pray first? Oh, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank Thee for asking me to yesterday come upon this program on the radio. And um, the pastor here has addressed a number of things that, that have been bothering my heart, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for this broadcast. And I just ask you, Lord, to forgive me all of my sins, my iniquities, and my transgressions. And please, Lord God, make me into what you want me to be. I do want, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to miss heaven. I've been through hell down here on this earth, Lord. Please help me to be able to go to heaven, Lord. And please bless me to win more souls to you, too. In Jesus' name, I pray. And help me to be able to forgive people who have offended me, Lord. Help me to learn how to be strong like you were and forgive them quickly, Lord. Please help me, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Lord, I come in agreement with Linda in her prayer. We touch and agree. And, Lord, everything that Linda has said she needs and wants... I know is found in you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I'm asking, would you come to Linda now? And would you turn the x-ray machine onto her life that she could see fully and completely how she stands before you? And then, Lord, would you wash her by your blood? Would you give her great courage and great strength to pursue you, Jesus, Lord, would she be caused to drop everything else in her life and seek after you, Jesus? Lord, I'm asking that you would be enough for Linda, that you would remove from her heart the bitterness and the pain of the injury she has suffered, that you would give her the courage to forgive and simply release them. But, Lord, I know she can't do that until you're enough for her. So, Lord, I ask, in your mighty name, would you come and meet Linda today? Would you put your arms around her? Would you lift her up? Would you bring her into your presence? And would you pour in the oil and the wine? Lord, I pray this in the name of Jesus, knowing that right now you're ministering to her heart, that right now the Holy Spirit is going forth and softening and subduing her heart and causing her, Lord, to turn fully unto you. And I thank you for this gift. I ask, Lord, that the work be completed in your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Linda, God bless you. And 
call back later and tell me what progress you've made in this in this work that the Holy Spirit will do for you in your heart. It's not something you can do. You simply have to open yourself and cry aloud and say, Jesus, I have to have you. And he'll come and do this work in you. God bless you, my sister. Thank you. My name is Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel here in Woodbridge, Virginia. I welcome you to come and worship with us this Sunday. We're at All Saints Anglican Church. And that is at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Also go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. I'll talk with you soon. Great joy.